0: Well, good morning. Welcome to week four of Words of Wisdom. And uh, always good to have uh, Casey Fry uh, in town to to help lead worship. And uh, this is the first time his wife Kathy has ever joined him. And I, I don't know about you, but I was a little bit impressed. I was a little bit impressed. Never heard her sing. And uh, thanks for uh, Steve and Becky Williams, just incredibly talented uh not only musicians, but just worship leaders. And uh, something that we have not talked about that we need to, because I see him sitting here today, is Alton Caesar was inducted into the Placer Hall of Fame, and uh, a- Athletic Hall of Fame. And so, Alton, would you just, I, we just want to acknowledge you this morning. Would you mind standing up? I know you're, you're not happy probably with that, but man. <laughs> I just think that's just phenomenal. He didn't tell a soul. Because I coach at Placer, I kind of got a little inside, and I've been looking for him to do this, and I see him this morning. So I just want to uh, acknowledge that, and that's that's a great great accomplishment. So um, I, I want to set this text up, and then I'm actually going to bring the Fries back up here, and, and we're going to talk about how this text kind of relates not only to their life, but really to all of our lives. So James chapter two, um, we'll start in verse 14 this morning. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith? You believe that there is one God, good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. You foolish person. Do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not your father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together. And then here's the kicker of the whole deal. As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. Now, if you've been in church for more than a few years, if you've never been to a church in your life and you find yourself here today, if you don't know if you believe, what you believe, how much you believe, I want to just kind of, because, you know, you look at that text, and I can remember being uh, a kid and, and growing up, and, uh, you know, we, we were we were drug kids. We were drugged to church every day, you know. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we, we went three times a week, and whether we wanted to or not, um, and this verse was just pounded at people. Um, and I, I just want everyone to re- repeat after me, okay? Nothing I do... Can save me. There is no work that God would receive to pay for my sins. Now, I don't know about you, but I, sometimes I have to remind myself of that because we live in a system, in a world where if you do enough and do the right and do and do and do, then people go, oh, look, did you see what he did? God's not watching us going seven out of 10. 7 out of 10, I mean, that, that's not the system. We, salvation is a gift. It's, it is handed to us by the finished work of Jesus Christ. Nothing we do, and, and I, I have people all the time say, I'm just so afraid I will never do enough for God to, listen, you're never going to do enough. You, 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 you need to surrender that thought now. Because it will only drive you away from God because you will have a sense of failure, and failure breeds contempt, and contempt leads to bitterness, and bitterness leads to hopelessness, and hopelessness leads to I'm done with this, been there, done that. And so, this text is incredibly powerful for a lot of reasons, but I just want to show you a little verse, show you. Couple of other verses, and then I'm gonna bring the fries up, and we're gonna we're gonna kind of talk about this. So in uh, Mark chapter three, Jesus is is going around, and he's doing all this amazing stuff. He's healing people. He's he's teaching. And verse twenty and twenty one say these words: Mark three. Then Jesus entered a house, and again a crowd gathered, so that he and his disciples were not able to eat. When his family heard about this they went to take charge of him, for they said, he is out of his mind. Now, Craig, why in the world are you bringing up a verse about his family? Because James that we're reading this morning is the brother of Jesus. Brother of Jesus. He was a part of the family that was like, what is this dude doing? Who does he think he is? Why is he... He has absolutely lost his mind. Now, it is not uncommon for one brother or a sister to say about another sibling, well, yeah, they're crazy. That is not uncommon. But James, let's just read 1 Corinthians 15. Real quick, three through seven. For what I receive, Paul is sharing after the resurrection, after his conversion. For what I received, I pass on to you as the first importance that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised from on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas and then to the 12, and after that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. And then catch this, then he appeared to who? James, why is it so important that he appeared to James? Because James wasn't a believer. James was not in. James did not see his brother as the chosen and the called of God, the son of God, the one born of a virgin. He was out. He probably was there watching. Now Mary was acknowledged. Mary was acknowledged at the crucifixion. But James watched his brother die, watched him be sealed in a tomb, and then the tomb's empty. And so here's, I say all that to say this, that after the resurrection, there was an awakening in James. You you tracking with me? After the resurrection, not before the resurrection, after the resurrection, James is like, oh, and he gets it. But isn't that all of our story? We're confused, we're skeptical, we're like, I'm not in, don't believe that, that's crazy, That what, what kind of deal is that? And then there's some awakening, there's some event, there's something that happens in us or around us, near us, by us, whatever, and we go, oh my goodness, this thing is real. He really did do what he said he really did. And it's that, that resurrection, that resurrection, that awakening to new possibilities, the awakening to the story of the good news, not the you work your way to heaven news, but the good news, which is the gift of God poured out for all mankind. there's something happens when you realize you can't do anything to save yourself, that you are hopeless, which doesn't sound like good news, but that somebody loves you enough. And when you cried out, Daddy in the grocery store, he turned and he handed you a gift and said, here, my son, my daughter. And James has that moment. So James is now saying, listen, I hear all you people talking about how you believe, but you don't help anybody. You're you're not living a believing, resurrected life. Now, he's not talking about building a system of works so that we would be seen as righteousness, seen as righteous. He's saying we've been given righteousness. We live from that perspective, not because we're good, but because he's good. And because he's good and he's filled us with his Holy Spirit, righteousness is not only possible, it is apparent. But we live, we live in a way that the world goes, what happened to those people? I mean, I remember that dude when he was, and you know, we all have had that, that moment when somebody comes up to us and you're having a conversation and, and you're talking different, you're, you're acting different, and they go, something happened to you? Wow. Well, I had this encounter with Jesus. Oh, you're one of those people. I don't know what you mean by one of those people, but my life is markedly different now. I no longer live because I think that I've got to prove something. I live now because God proved something, that his love was greater than my sin. That's what James is after in this passage. But here's the rub for all of us. Here's the rub for all of us. Can I just say this? That we say we believe a lot of things that we not only don't believe, but we don't live on the belief of. y'all didn't hear that, did you? So there are a lot of things that we say we believe, but that we don't live in the practice of believing faith. What are you talking about? Well, how many of you believe how many of you believe that Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, overcame our sin problem, and he is the way. How many of you just believe that? Okay, so if we believe that, then that leads us to a point of action. Okay, now here's another one for you. How many of you believe that God not only answers prayer, but still does the miraculous in day-to-day life? Now my question is about to get ugly. Ephesians chapter 2. I'll ask it after we read this passage. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. We were dead. Say, I'm dead before Christ. I'm dead before Christ, right? All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of the flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. Don't you love verse 4? But because of His great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead, when we were dead in our trespasses, It is by grace you have been saved, and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages, check this out, we've not only been redeemed, we've been seated with Christ so that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works not by works, not by works, so that no one can boast, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Good works don't save. Good works are expression of the salvation and the resurrection and the new life that we have received. You tracking with me? So my question is, here's my question. How has your life been marketedly different the other side of the resurrection in your own life. Now, you can't say, well, my grandfather was a pastor. You can't live off your grandfather's faith. Well, my mother was a prayer warrior. I mean, she prayed. That's mine too. But you can't live off your mom. I mean, what is it about our life that says every day, moment by moment, God is right here? God is alive and at work. God is speaking. God is healing. God is doing what he's always done, and that we're living in that. Now, some people just got uncomfortable because they're like, I I think maybe that stuff ended. You think maybe that stuff ended. But if he's the same yesterday, you want to say it with me? Today, tomorrow, God hadn't changed. We've just become afraid of him. You know, those are those Pentecostal people down over there. No, those are the believing people that are willing to walk out their life in faith because they're on this side of the resurrection. And everything changes this side of the resurrection. So let me bring the fries up. We're going to have a little fun. Because they're going to tell stories that are going to make everybody uncomfortable. Y'all welcome Kathy and Casey oh, thank Fry again. You. I'm a...
1: We get to tell stories that will make you feel uncomfortable. Those stories would make us feel uncomfortable too. No, they scare Goodness.
0: me to death. <laughs> like when God speaks to you and tells you to go to California and start a church. I'm there like, you go. No.
1: So first off, um, my name is Kathy, and this is Casey, my husband. Um, it's kind of awkward to have you in a s- shorter seat. Uh, yeah. uh, <laughs> I want you all to know that, that I'm a stay-at-home mom um, who loves Jesus, who loves my family. Um, I am now in ministry with a nonprofit, but first and foremost, I'm a daughter. I'm a daughter who desires to be about my father's business and about kingdom investment. Um, It hasn't always been that way, or I have thought that kingdom investment looked a lot different, and I classified ministry as doing things within the church, but they weren't really the ministry that um Jesus did that it speaks of in the bible. And so for us there was a shifting that God had to do. Um I'll disclose my age but this it doesn't go out of this room, okay? So I'll be 46 this year. Um for I'm 45 now, but 46 later in the year.
0: You remember that, right?
1: Yep. When's your anniversary? You. <laughs> <laughs> He's the numbers guy, I am not so much. But I gave my life to Jesus at the age of six, but at the age of 40, I realized that the things that I read in the Bible that Jesus did, that his disciples did, beyond his disciples, the ones who followed him, who truly loved him, those things that he did, my life did not reflect that. And I didn't feel like that was adequately expressing that I was interested in my father's kingdom. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I prayed a super dangerous prayer, very easy. And I said, Lord, show me who you are beyond my theology, beyond the box that I have built you in. I would have called myself, and I don't know if any of you have heard this, a believing unbeliever. Have you ever? Mm -hmm. Or an unbelieving believer. And it's somebody who says that they believe in Jesus, but they don't really believe in who Jesus says he is and the things that he says he does. So we had to get through, me and Jesus had to get through, weed through some things in my own heart. I didn't believe that he would show up when I prayed. I didn't believe um, I had seen, I had experienced disappointment in my own life. I. um my faith was very small. I think it was probably smaller than a mustard seed because it says if you have faith in must, as a mustard seed, my must have been smaller than that because I didn't really see the Lord move in any ways. Um, what happened, much like what Craig said, there was a season where God shifted and he invited me in to the ways of the kingdom to walk out what I read, to walk out the things, to partner with my heavenly father's heart for his kids. And it wasn't that I would, um, that I didn't, I had no interest in promoting myself. I really only had interest in promoting God's kingdom, in investing in his His kids and seeing his kids, those that know him, but also those that don't know him yet seeing them encounter the love of God. I'll tell a brief story and then I'll pass it on to um, Casey. And even while I share the stories and Casey shares the stories that we have, um, I'm just asking, Holy Spirit, would you move in our hearts? um, And would you stir those things up in us? that As we hear the stories of how you move today, that reflect how you moved in the Bible, that we something inside of us would awaken. And so, Lord, in the places that we have fallen asleep or the places that we have become apathetic or the places that carry disappointment in our family, in our parenting, mm-hmm. in our business, in our life, mm-hmm. God, that we would be able to lay those today at your feet, at the feet of Jesus, mm-hmm. and that once again we would encounter you in a powerful way. And so, Holy Spirit, I just pray that you would begin to speak to our hearts, that you would begin to move in ways that only you can move. So a recent story, uh, I was in uh, Chorleywood, England, and praying for um, people there, teaching them, and talking about the things that we've seen the Lord do. And there was a woman who was there, and she was completely deaf. Um, and she, we were praying for her throughout the week. And at the end of the week during worship, she, um, made a scene and I don't, I don't really know any other way to say it. She made a scene. She came up, she was super excited. God had done something. We needed a, uh, person to tell us what she was trying to communicate to us. But she had had a, um, bladder issue for many, many years. And she knew she physically could feel things shift and change in her body. And she just couldn't contain it anymore. And that was a sovereign healing. We had been praying for her throughout the week. But in that moment when she actually encountered the Lord and the Lord healed her, it was a sovereign moment. That was about two months ago. Well, some of our team went back to England Uh, They just got back, and that same woman traveled two hours to come and hear our team again at another conference, and this time they had been praying for her, praying for her ears, um, and she had, I I believe she may have even been deaf, deaf since birth, but her ears opened, and what happened was while they were praying, the music got so loud in her ears Um, that she had to take out the hearing aids that she had. And she just kept saying, it's so loud, it's too loud, it's too loud in here. And then she finally figured out, oh, my goodness, I think I can hear beyond what the hearing aids are helping me. So she took her hearing aids out. And we have a picture of her, but she is face down on the ground, because of this incredible encounter with the Lord, that he healed her ears. So I say that because it was a gradual healing. We prayed for her ears two months ago, but her bladder, which we didn't even know anything about, her bladder was healed. Um, There is something about beginning to walk out what you know and partner with what you know the Lord has for his kids and what He has for you and what He has for your families um I was gonna share
0: he's afraid to look, just so you know <laughs> all husbands are.
1: Uh, just a, while I was in Hungary and England, our son had a broken wrist. It had been confirmed. We took him um, in. The x-ray showed that one of his hand bones, he's a basketball player. He loves to play basketball. One of his hand bones, had, it, there was a fracture where the bone actually was separated from part of the bone. And we, I prayed for him before we left. I did not want his hand to be broken. I was in... Two days, and that's just a lot on Casey to have three children and to have one with a broken, a broken arm, broken wrist. So I had prayed for him. Zoe, our daughter, had prayed for him. And while we were in Hungary, a man came and he shared with me that he felt like the Lord was telling him that somebody with a left broken wrist was going to be healed. Well, there wasn't anyone in the room with a left broken wrist. And I shared with him that I felt like that was my son. And so I wanted him to come up to me after, and, and I wanted him to pray for Jake, our son. So he came up to me after we prayed. Later that day, when we got back to the hotel, Casey had texted me and told me that they went in for a second x-ray, and that there was no, broke, no broken bone, no broken bone shown on any of the x-rays. And the boy was playing basketball the very next day. Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. These are things that God still does today. There, like Craig said, there is no, God hasn't changed. And so we have to figure out what has changed that we wouldn't believe in that we wouldn't step in the things that, that Jesus stepped in. We don't have to make this stuff up on our own. You don't have to pave a new way. Casey and I don't have to pave a new way to walk in Kingdom and to walk in healing and to walk in the ways of Jesus. it's not we're we're not creating our own enterprise or a new enterprise. all we are doing is coming into agreement with what God has already set in place. Um, I think do you have anything to share? He has a ton of ton to share. He's been so patient and so good.
2: So I just want to encourage you to to, uh, not receive any of this as a rebuke, but as an invitation. And I want to share with you the invitation that our family has been receiving over these last several years that has kind of blown our mind, because Kathy and I have both walked with the Lord for more than 35 years. And uh, what I have been discovering in this, I've had to apologize to the Lord at times, because I just have had to say, Lord, I have drawn conclusions about you that you have not said about yourself. And uh, it was a combination of my own fear, my own pride, great mentors who mentored me and what their mentors had mentored them in. And this has been uh, a time of just discovering that we had enough faith to be hearers of the word, like the passage talked about last week. There's two trees in the garden in the beginning. There's a tree of knowledge and a tree of life. And we had enough faith to position our chair around the tree of knowledge. We had enough faith to say, Lord, I want to know about you. And he has been inviting us lately to just say, yeah, you know enough now. You don't need to know more to do. Just do what you know. Go do that. And I love that it was in this passage that uh, Craig just read, It wasn't Abraham's deeds that were reckoned to him as righteousness. It was his faith. And uh, it makes sense because Hebrews says that without faith, it's impossible to even please God. Faith is the currency that he deals in. And for 30 years, I lived a life as a believer that was just kind of this idea that, Jesus had gone to prepare a place for me, and I was going to try and live this life of righteousness until he showed up to get me. And I've just been confronted recently with this idea that Jesus himself said, it's better that I go. It's better that I go because I'm sending you somebody, a helper, a counselor, to dwell right inside of me. And so I've just been confronted that God is not far off but he's so close because I lived a life of having this belief that I have to do what God said. I have to do what God said, and that's true. But I love what Jesus said. He said, I do what I see the Father doing. I want to do what Jesus did, and in order to do that, i got to step into faith and take action. There's got to be action that follows. The things that Jesus did were to have compassion, to love. Jesus is an incredible, the perfect expression of God's heart. And if I want to walk in step with the Spirit, number one, I have to be walking. I can't just be hearing. Now, should we hear? Yeah. The word of God in the last text said, don't be merely hearers, but be doers. And so we have just been in this season of going, Lord, what did you do? Because that's what I want to do. Just like in many ways, my kids want to grow up and model things that I do. I want to model the heart of God. And uh, we fall into this trap sometimes. Sometimes. Of thinking that if we just position our chair around the information, we often say things like, I gotta get that friend to church. Or, I gotta introduce him to Pastor Craig. Now, church is awesome. Craig is awesome. But these people need an encounter with Jesus because Jesus is better.
0: That's right, way better.
2: Yeah. Yeah, you said it. <laughs> and so what we've been finding in our life as we, make, as we just submit to the Lord, even today on the way here, we're like, Lord, we, just, we hope you don't waste these people's time today, God. <laughs> we have no plan other than just to share with you our heart because we just want to be in step with the Spirit of God. That's what his word says. Keep in step with the Spirit. And what we're finding is that it happens in Starbucks. Mm-hmm that it happens on the cul-de-sac, that it happens at our desk, in our living room. And uh, for years and years and years, I was just in this habit of thinking that it would happen here. But God is a God that sends. He's a sender. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And if you've been stuck around the tree of knowledge, Kath and I just want you to know there's a better tree. There's a better tree. It's the one that's described in the end of the book, too. It's the tree of life. And God is inviting us to live what we know by faith. That our faith would prompt action as we try and do. What we see the Father doing, as we try and do what we saw Jesus doing. Mm -hmm. We're believing now that God is not silent. I had a privilege to pray with uh, a gathering of folks from Gold Country recently, and we just said, Lord, we trust that you're not going to be silent, so we're going to follow your prompting. And he showed up. And part of our prayer time was defined as much by listening as it was by speaking, because we wanted to be in step with what the Holy Spirit wanted to do. So it's been fun. It's been scary. I'll tell you that if you're in Starbucks or you're on the cul-de-sac and you're asking the Holy Spirit, what do you want to do with me in this moment right now, God? If what you hear and sense requires humility and looks like compassion, Lean into that. That's the spirit of God. Because that's his heart. If it looks like love, and it looks like mercy, it will reconcile with his word. Mm -hmm. And you can be confident the author of the holy book is prompting you right then. And that's the moment when your faith becomes action right. that you would do it. Mm-hmm. That you would do it, whatever he's asking you to do. Mm-hmm. And um, there's a couple other things that were probably brilliant, but they're gone. So I don't know. I'm sure
0: they were brilliant.
2: I'm pretty sure they were brilliant.
0: Let's thank Casey and Kathy Fry.
1: <laughs> I just wanted to say that one of the verses um, before the passage that that Craig read in James, it says that um, mercy triumphs over judgment. And with what Casey is saying, that oftentimes um, when we step out, it looks like the mercy of God. That uh, the first time, one of the first times that I, in my time with the Lord, I said, Lord, whoever you put in front of me, whoever it is, I will pray for. This is the day, like this is a marker moment and I am all yours. I will do, I will do these things that you say your children do. I will pray for whoever you put in front of me. And so I left um, the house. I drove up to a red light. I'm parked in one lane. An old couple is parked in another. The light turns green. Um, I notice that the man who is driving, or the car who is driving down the hill is not slowing down, is not slowing down. I don't know why I noticed that. The car beside me with the older couple pulled out as if the green light meant go. I stayed, and they got hit, and the car hit them, and it pushed right up to right in front of my car. And the car that hit them kept driving. And after all of that commotion stopped, I went ahead and drove through the intersection and parked behind the cop that was only about three cars behind me. I got out of my car. He looked at me. He said, they hit you. I said, actually, they didn't hit me at all. I don't know how that works. And he said, will you go and help the man that's over, the one who hit the older couple, The police officer said, will you go over there and will you get him out of the street? I looked and went, "Uh, I will not. No, I will not do that. That's dangerous. And he looks like he's a little angry right now. But I remembered that I had said, Lord, I will put, but you have to make it clear to me who it is. And it couldn't have gotten more clear by having that man come and his car come in front of me, by me pulling across, by the police officer getting out of the car and asking me to go get that man out of the street while he goes and takes care of the older couple. So, with fear and trembling, because oftentimes that's what it looks like to follow the Lord and follow the Holy Spirit, with fear and trembling, I went over in the middle of the street as the man is dropping all kinds of language that I usually don't hear. And he is pounding his hood, the hood of his car. He's pounding it. He is so angry. And there is so much anger and rage coming from this man. And I went out there and I said, excuse me, but this isn't safe for you. You need to come. Can you just come and sit down on the sidewalk? And he looked at me because I probably, he probably didn't expect me and he said, okay, and so he came and sat down, and I went and sat down beside him, and I just sat there and went, oh my goodness, Lord, what in the world am I supposed to do? Because that's the reality, okay? That's the reality of us walking out the things of God with fear and trembling. That, that was actual, not fear of the Lord, that was fear of this man. <laughs> and I said, can I, can I just pray for you? And he looked at me and he said, yeah, yeah, you can. So I began to pray over him and I began to pray the peace of God. That's simply what I did was I just prayed that God's peace would cover him, that God's peace would come in and would move out all of the fear and move out all of the disappointment. And so I just sat there and prayed with him and prayed with him and Everything in him just settled down. But it started with me saying, God, have your way, whatever you want, but make it clear. And so I just, I know that some of you are right now in a season where you want to say, God, have your way, have your way in me, use me to further your kingdom. So I'm going to ask you right now to do something that's going to feel pretty bold, and it's going to feel as bold as it felt like for me to say, God, put whoever you need me to pray for, put them right in front of me, and I'll do it. But I'm just going to ask you, if that's you this morning, that you would stand up right where you are. We're just going to ask the Lord to encounter us, to encounter our hearts, that he would take us deeper with him. Because what happens is if you are the person that God is stirring in your heart, I can tell you from experience that marriages change, that children change, that we become, to, we become powerful and we become people who walk in the power and authority of Jesus. And so if that's you this morning, I just want you to stand because we want to pray for you that God would continue to encounter you. you. There, this church, this city, this state, more now than ever, needs the love of God. And I am born and raised in California. Sorry, Craig and Jen, you're not. But we include you through adoption. Casey is born and raised in California We have no desire to leave our state, but we do have a desire to set our stake in the ground and say, this ground, California, will be the Lord's. Grass Valley, Auburn, Placer County, it will be the Lord's. Mm -hmm. The Lord's will be done on earth as it is in heaven, in this place, as we leave in our families, in our marriages, in our cities, and our surrounding cities, in our state, God, have your way. And so I just want you to put your hand on your heart right now. Mm. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would encounter us with the deep love and compassion mm. that Jesus walked in. And that those who knew him and followed him and encountered him and his love walked into. May this be a marker moment in our lives where you invite us deeper, where you take us to places that we haven't been, but we are willing to go there because we know that you've gone before us, that we are not alone, that your Holy Spirit that lives inside of us also moves around us. And so, God, I pray your blessing on the marriages here. I pray your blessing on the children of these family, I pray a blessing on those children who have stepped away from you, God, that you would call them back in Jesus' name, that you would encounter them, that there would be divine encounters, that their parents get a phone call and their parents get to realize that you, God, that you have answered the prayers that these parents have prayed for years and years and years over their children. And God, I say, use us to further your kingdom. We want to invest in only the things that you are about, God. So have your way in us. Take everything out that is not of you, God. The addictions that cause us to not turn towards you, we say break off today in Jesus' name no more. We say doubt You must go and fear you must go in Jesus' name that perfect love would have its way in us, would have its way in our lives, would have its way in our church. God, we see what you're up to. We see how you are clearing the way. Revival is happening individually. Revival is happening all over the world, guys. It's happening all over the world. And so, God, we say today, now, now is the time, Lord. Move in our hearts. Use us to further your love, to further your kingdom, that mercy would triumph over judgment. Lord, if any of us carry any judgment towards each other, towards the church, towards religion, God, we give that to you, Jesus. We lay it at your feet, and we pick up the new. We pick up the mercy. Thank
0: you.
1: We pick up the perfect love that only comes from you. Mm-hmm. Pour it out. Pour your spirit out on us.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: God, thank you that the only things that breathe new life in us are things that are alive. Mm-hmm. That things that are dead bring no life. And so we say, no, we will not partner with any of that. In Jesus' name.
0: Jesus' name.
2: Just even before we break uh, to take communion as a family, I just want to say just to highlight one thing. The place where this passage has impacted us the most is in our prayer life. Mm -hmm. To be bold uh, and to say, look, Lord, I just want to walk in my heavenly citizenship and um, uh, just want to encourage you that you would in your prayer life have greater expectation than maybe you've been walking in up to this point, that we wouldn't expect God to move, to reveal his heart in those moments, whether it's at the scene of a car accident or even in this moment, we're anticipating that God is going to move. It's, if you've read the scriptures, you know that our God does wildly incredible things. Mm-hmm. And it's okay to pray into those moments. You know the seas part when our God moves. You know blind people see when our God moves. And just as he moved James through resurrection, our heritage is dead people rise. Mm -hmm. So why wouldn't we pray into that? Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's fear. Sometimes in that moment, we're afraid God's not going to show up. Don't worry about that. Walk in faith. Mm -hmm. He says, you have not because you ask not. He says, whatever you ask in my name, lean into that. And if in that moment, in his timing, he doesn't come in the way that you expect him to, don't worry about it. You don't have to carry that embarrassment. If he showed up in power or a burning bush, or parted the sea, or healed blind eyes, you weren't going to take credit for that anyways, were you? (laughs)
0: That's right.
2: That's right. So if he shows up in a way that you didn't think, or that didn't meet that person's expectation, you're not going to walk away with the blame, are you?
0: Mm
2: No. No. It's not yours. What's yours is the faith. So when you have that crossroad to pray for somebody, do it right then, right there. I've seldom seen people in crisis who would decline prayer. That's your opportunity to love and to grab a hold of the Father's heart and walk in step with the Holy Spirit in that moment. Be bold. Don't let fear hijack your faith. Make sure it's loving. Make sure it's loving. So. I don't know. No. Here we here we are.
0: <laughs> if you will take a seat for just a moment, I'll invite uh, Steve and Becky to come up. We'll get ready to. If the ushers would get communion, we're going to pass communion to you. Go ahead and start passing, please. You can take whenever you're ready. Um, You know, this is uh, this is this this is the stuff that we ought to be leaning into, but we have bought the lie that this is the wackadoo circus, and that uh, that this stuff ended, or this stuff is uncomfortable. But this is who God is. This is what God does, and God is out to change the world. And um, the the term that Kathy used earlier. Can be boiled down to to this term: Christian atheist. We call ourselves followers of Jesus, but we live as though He never came, and He never overcame sin and death, and He never rose from the tomb. Um, I, I was thinking as they were talking about the Williams talking last week about no favoritism and choosing the power of love to love people wherever they are. Boy, didn't that just it, it just Folded right in, and every one of Mark started at Sharice the Williams last week, and now it's just God saying it's time to live as believers, doers of the word, not for our salvation, but because my goodness, we've been set free. And if you haven't been set free, or you are eat up with burden or fear, and you're you're just I don't even know what to do. I'm going to invite you over to that room right there where it says prayer above the door because you know what? There are some people that are going to meet you in there that absolutely believe in a resurrected Jesus, the power of the Holy Spirit. They are unafraid to speak into and pray for you. And so it just takes you having the courage to head that direction and let somebody intercede on your behalf for God to set you free maybe today's the day you're like I've been looking at this been, I. Just, but you can't deny the power of God maybe today's the day you need to pray and say God would you just come would you take this and would you make me new would you give me hope I've never had before So maybe today is that day for you so let me just pray and we're just going to worship we'll close out this morning Father thank you for your love which is greater your power that cannot be held back, Lord. Your spirit that is always at work, always speaking, always revealing, but always leading us into truth. God, you don't lead us into chaos. And we are to may be in chaos, but Lord, help us to see that you're walking us through the chaos. You're walking us out of the chaos into your perfect love and your perfect light. And Lord, life wants to crush us and press us. And yet, Lord, you make things new. And so, Lord, take our old skins and give us new skins so you can put new wine. And fill us to overflowing with it. In the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. And amen, and amen, and amen. Let's stand and let's worship this morning.